0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by the London rapper, Shadow Now, any regular listeners and people who listen to the end of my podcast uh, will know that... Um, I've been talking about this chat for a while, and I hadn't been releasing it because um, I was waiting for Shao to drop his newest single, which is called Burnout, which I highly recommend everyone goes and checks out. There's a cool video of him riding a horse, which gets mentioned in this chat. Um, it's a great song. It's on Spotify and all those normal places. And for clarity, it's Shao Do. I mean, you should be able to see it because, you know, listening on Pod- on Spotify or uh, Podbean or Overcast or wherever you listen to this show, I want to push that forward because his he's an absolutely incredible rapper i think he's one of the most underrated uh, artists in the uk in brutal honesty i saw him live and i saw him support tech nine which is where i first heard of him he was incredible especially supporting act being so good at riling up the crowd and things um his last few singles kaokan dropkick man uh, like you and also burnout as mentioned are all fantastic um and i will quickly say at one point in this chat i do say i love his single like us uh, it's meant to be like you he does correct me but um yeah like you is my favorite song of his probably closely followed by keo Ken and uh, don't box me which features chris Calico's strange music so anyone who's a fan of tech nine chris calico um, or even hops in any member of the strange family or more of the sort of alternative sort of uh, rap artists who aren't very mainstream you definitely want to check this guy out but um even if you're not into rap music it, it's still really interesting to hear someone who's obviously an independent rapper who's in the game uh in the game as i call it that sounds so Name when I say that, but you know, what I mean, sort of uh, trying to hustle, trying to, you know, he's independent. He's a full-time rapper, so it's his actual job. He's also a manga author, so he's got a manga out. I think volume one of Way of the Shao is out. We talk about that briefly in this chat as well. He's been on uh, Charlie Sloth's Fire in the Booth, which when it was on BBC, I think it's on Apple Music now. Um, and yeah we talk about a great many things in this chat i um, obviously i've just kind of rambled on a little bit to begin here and we also talk about sort of as well as everything and his music and that sort of stuff um and his manga we also talk about sort of him the time when he was on the high street selling cds getting a name for himself and things um how he kind of started out his collaboration with chris calico as i mentioned um sort of the instant gratification culture we talk about eminem uh, we talk about him traveling and going to china and learning kung fu and sort of he's he's a really really interesting guy i felt like i could have talked to him for hours and hours but um this is just part one and we just generally talk about rap and the sort of state of the music scene and industry at the moment how he got to where he is and some of the collaborations and things so that's what you're in for here now before we get started with that chat there'll be a quick promo for the ignite the flame audio podcast um, it's a podcast i kind of helped come to fruition in a sense Uh, it's a friend of mine called wayne telford he's been a guest on the podcast several times Um, it's essentially an audio book but mixed with an audio drama some tips of the trade some more backstory to the chapters and things but they are from actual written books that he has he has written himself so um you know be sure to go check that out i'm going to talk a little bit more about it sort of at the end because of my you know degree of involvement in it and things but genuinely i've been listening to it recently and it's fantastic so if you dig that promo be sure to check out the link in the show notes Anyway, guys, that's it from me. I'm um, rambling and things like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the promo will play for Ignite the Flame Audio, then the intro, and then my main chat with Shaldo. Um After that, I'll be back at the end just to talk about what's coming up in part two, a few other bits and pieces here and there, you know, what you can expect if you subscribe to the channel, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to stop uh, yammering on. So, you know, follow on the usual social media places. Sharing is always appreciated and spreading from word of mouth. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the chat, and I'll talk to you at the end. Dear listeners, welcome to Ignite the Flame Audio, a book series made up from our own creative works, broadcast with the hope of bringing people together one word at a time. Seasons ranging in genre from thriller to horror, romance to action, and much, much more. Each episode, a chapter is read and characters voiced by myself, along with extras like The Origin of Ideas and Tips of the Trade to aid those aspiring to follow the same authorial path. If you enjoy listening to more than just an audiobook, then this series is right up your alley. Find us on social media and the usual podcast places. Follow me, Wayne Telford, into the depths of your imagination. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. I'm joined today by Shadow. Um Shadow, you're a rapper who um call you a rapper. I've seen you live when you supported Tech 9 in Bristol uh, several months ago and I was blown away. Um, I wanted to hit you up on social media and you're gracious enough to respond and here we are. So you've got your finger in in many pies and you're a very interesting individual. So I thought I'd just kind of let you introduce yourself and then we'll kind of get started into almost your rap career and every other little uh, route that comes off that.
1: Sounds good to me. Um, so yeah, I'm Sheldo. I'm a professional rapper, manga author, occasional ninja. <laughs> and yeah, I just do things I love and try to make a living from it. And it seems to have worked thus far.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. And um, so going back to sort of very early on, um, I note that i um, online it says that you have on your website things it says that you have a degree in law but obviously most people have degrees in law to my knowledge at least don't go into professional rap so if you don't want me asking sort of what made you transition from pursuing a career in law to then going and pursuing I assume a musical passion like what what sort of happened there? if you don't mind well I actually
1: never began a career in law I graduated and was um, offered a place at the Oxford Institute of Legal Practice uh, but I Had to really think very seriously about it, and and I guess my concern was I didn't want to spend a load more money. I think it was about ten grand or so at the time to go and study for a profession that I wasn't one hundred percent on, mm. and I knew I was a hundred percent on music and on being a rapper, and it was it was kind of it was kind of a turning point, I guess, a, a fork in the road as to whether I was going to go down the expected route or try something different, and. I'm the sort of person who likes to do things differently. So I I just took the plunge, made the leap of faith and, and yeah, it, it's worked out thus far.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're on Genuine Chit Chat. It's the pinnacle of anyone's career. I mean, <laughs> why else would... Oh, yeah. Exactly. Hit the peak now. No, obviously, I'm joking. But um, from doing the law um, degree and obviously graduating, were you at the time at university doing sort of uh, shows or sort of thinking about doing uh, rap or anything like that? Or was it sort of once you finished, you then took the plunge? Or was it you kind of dabbling? No, I
1: was, I was already doing things. I'd already built a name for myself in Oxford. That's where mm. I was studying. And um, I guess I I got bitten by the bug. It was, it, you know, I performed a lot, started getting a bit of recognition, got a bit of radio play, and I just didn't want it to end. So when it came to the, the end of my tenure at university, I... I just thought, you know what, I want to do this for the rest of my life. How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to make a living from this? I'm not signed or anything like that. And I don't really have any contacts or knowledge. So I'm just going to stumble my way along and work it out. And really the first thing I did was take a backpack full of CDs out on the high street and start talking to people about my music and selling them. And, and the money I made from that was the initial seed money that I invested into my career.
0: Wow, that's incredible! And how long have you been in the sort of the rap game, as it were? It's over ten years, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've been making music in general, I think, for over fifteen years.
1: But doing it professionally as my job for, I think, between eight to ten years. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to work it out, but it's somewhere between there.
0: Okay, incredible! And. Um, Obviously, aside from uh, rap, do you have any other sort of musical interests? I know that a lot of your albums have sort of um, – guitar, for example, is quite uh, yeah. prominent in a lot of your things. And so I assume you, you quite like a lot of different genres. You seem to like quite a few different things. So what yeah, sort of music I, are you into then? I
1: really I really like metal, for instance. Nice. Evanescence, uh Metallica. Uh, Disturbed, Skin
0: Dread, quite a few. I've seen oh, all of those live, except Disturbed, oh, but I love all really? of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're fantastic. They're, they're one of my all-time favourite bands, funnily enough, and I saw them live in Plymouth God, you me years both. ago. You and me both. Yeah, oh, They're nice. they're,
1: uh, they're fantastic. Um, I also love video game music. Can't cool. get enough of that. So, yeah, uh, as well as a bit of Chiaz. Uh, I love grime, obviously, uh, hip-hop. Um... um to be honest, anything that takes my fancy, my my playlists tend to be quite varied. It's just whatever catches mm. my ear, really. But predominantly hip-hop, grime, rock, those are the, the main genres with some video game music thrown
0: in nice nice yeah well I'm um, I, I don't listen to as much uh, video game music um, th- there's the old time like for example um, I think it's the fairy fountain tune from Legend of Zelda like there's a metal yeah. cover of that on YouTube and that is that's been my ringtone for years um, I oh, think I've probably ruined it for my friends but yeah. I, I think a lot of the Zelda music is absolutely fantastic and there's a lot of other obviously, incredible music like um, I know Witcher Dark Souls Bloodborne those sort of sort of epic RPGs of
1: fantasy course. tends to have very good music as well mm,
0: yeah definitely definitely
1: and, I, like, um, I like classical music music too and i especially enjoy um video game music replayed
0: with orchestras I think uh, that's the, the yes more. yes orchestras like um one of the things that i like about um your newest single um like you which is absolutely fantastic by the way i love it i've been listening to it for weeks now and it's been stuck in my yeah. head now my girlfriend's getting annoyed at me because i keep just humming the the chorus of it but oh, i know to single. I, I was gonna i was gonna ask you about that actually it's a, it's a great segue um what is obviously you've got i believe three albums out at the moment yeah. um yeah and so your last album came out, i think it's 2016 um and you've had two singles since then um ko canon like you if that's correct
1: yes and dropkick man as of course man.
0: yes yeah. i heard that live and i thought that was that was a great show uh, when i saw you live and you were doing that and you got the whole crowd involved which was so incredible for like um, a support act it's quite rare to be able to get that kind of uh sort of crowd engagement. So I was very impressed yeah. with that as well when I saw you. So your you new single, what um when's it dropping if you don't mind me asking, if you can tell?
1: It, aiming for August. I actually just got the single artwork back today. Uh, I've already filmed the music video so I'm going through the edit process of that. I filmed on a horse. So Oh wow. Yeah. That yes. is incredible. There's there, it, it's I think it's going to take a little while to get it where I want it to be, but yeah, I'm thinking August. The new single's called Burnout and it's 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 catchy. It's catchy. <laughs> um, it. I came up with the chorus first, and I could not stop singing it to myself. So I knew that I was onto something with that.
0: That's awesome. Uh, what um, album-wise have you got? Because, for example, I've got a couple of other friends who are in music. Um, some are in metal bands, rock bands, different uh, genres. But what? What some of my friends have been telling me is now, because of Spotify and things like that, that they're trying to release sort of like an EP a year rather than like an album every few years. Are you following that sort of suit or have you, what's the sort of idea for the next no, couple I'm of just, years? I'm just doing whatever the hell I feel like, to be
1: honest. <laughs> <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> right, now, right now I'm putting together an album. That's That's a general thought process behind what I'm doing. I'm not rushing myself. I'm thinking it's going to be next year that I release it. And in the meantime, I'll just keep putting songs together. And if I feel something's a single, then I'll put it out in anticipation. But that's about it. I'm just trying to put together a good body of work that people will enjoy.
0: Mm, Incredible. And um, you spoke about sort of when you wrote the chorus. One thing I was going to ask you about um, was how does the songwriting process go for you? Do you have like lyrics written and then you make a beat with it and then you kind of mix it together? Like, What's the sort of process?
1: It always starts with the music for me. I have to hear the beat and listen to it quite a few times over to try and get a sense of what it's weird, but it's almost like what the beat wants me to say, mm. you know, what the music wants from me. So I listen to it over and over again. Hopefully some words will come to me. Hopefully a concept will come to me. And then I, I kind of take it from there and, and just kind of start scribbling, start crafting and pull something together out of thin air really. But it's always from the music. My lyrics go hand in glove with the music. If I, if I change the beat, in my opinion, it never really works as well. So um, it's actually rare for me to have the lyrics and, and the beat made afterwards. The only time I've ever done that actually was with Kaioken. Ken.
0: I was going to ask about that. Okay, how, t- how did that work out? Do you also, do you have, do you make your own beats? Do you sort of collaborate with individuals who are uh, more uh, adept at the producing side? Or what's the sort yeah.
1: of... I normally work with different producers, but um, my next plan for the next few months is to start learning production. So um, I record at my home studio at the moment and I'm going to be expanding that into a production studio as well. So my, gen- my, my overall aim is to one day be able to produce the track myself, record it myself, mix it and master it myself, et cetera, just for the hell of it. Mm, but yeah. now I work with different producers.
0: I see. I see. Well, when you have that freedom to do it, it will be like, I know Serge Stankin of System of a Down. He's got like a home studio. I know a lot of other people do. And one of the things he said he loved about it was like the middle of the night, he just wakes up and he's got a song in his head and he can just go down to the studio and literally just create it and then go back to bed essentially and just kind of leave it and then figure out what to do. So I also, um, you don't have to, if you haven't had any negative experiences, you don't have to say the names or anything, but have you had any negative experience of producers, like you've got a real specific thing that you want in your head and then they're kind of trying to push it in another direction or have you had quite good collaborative efforts?
1: No, it's generally quite good. Um, people normally give me the, the instrumental and leave me the hell alone until I, until I come back with something. Um, at most, they, they might check in to say, oh, how's it going? And I will tell them badly <laughs> <laughs> because uh, my creative process takes a while. I like, to, I like to really sit and live with the track walk around with it, listen to it in different places, different scenarios, and words and ideas and lines and things will come to me based on something that somebody said or based on something I've seen or heard or just an experience I've had. So there's tracks that have been written over multiple countries and in different stages of my life and things like that, and that's just kind of how I work. But it all, in my opinion, fits together seamlessly, and the amount of work that goes into it I don't think a lot of people realise because it's it's crafted in such a way. You know, it, it comes across as effortless, but it's definitely effortful.
0: Mm, mm, yeah, I can I can imagine. I mean, well, obviously, I don't live in the same realm because I'm not musically talented and I can't sing and I can barely rap to say. So it's like I don't have that. Uh, part of my life where I have to release music and things like that but obviously with podcasting it's not quite the same thing but people think oh you chuck on a mic you're talking it and then you're done it's like no there's you know there's even just putting intros and outros together writing up show notes hashtags for uh, the posting on social media that I despise and all these sorts of other things it's just like trying to push yourself out there I mean as an independent artist I mean you must have you you must know how difficult it is trying to sort of get your things up I mean obviously when you, you said that you were got some cds in your rucksack and just started selling them i mean did you do that for quite a long period of time um or do you still yeah. do that or
1: i did it for about three to four years i feel um it was a long time and the primary purpose was to build my fan base and also make a living from mm. directly from my music um it got to the stage where i realized it wasn't something that was sustainable and it wasn't something that it was something that I needed to leave behind for the sake of my career. By not being sustainable, I mean that um, when I started, it was just around the time people were listening to music on YouTube and things like that. So people were buying CDs still, but as I progressed, YouTube became more popular, then iTunes came about, and then Spotify really kind of killed off CDs. So around the time I stopped. A lot of people were saying, I'll just find you on Spotify, I'll just listen to you on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, which is fair enough if you want to do that, but it doesn't help if I want to sell you a a CD. And then by the time, I think it was just after I'd done my fire in a booth, I had already kind of cut down the amount that I was selling CDs out on high streets, but I remember very specifically going to Reading one day and approaching two guys and speaking to them about my music, explaining I'd done my fire in the booth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they looked at me and said, "Oh, so why are you out here talking to us?" And I thought about it. And I was. I thought to myself, "Well, why am I?" You know, I. The perception is a very important thing, and I put in my work already and paid my dues in terms of. Selling CDs, I'd sold in the rain and the snow, in the freezing cold, been to pretty much every major city in the country, and built my fan base that way. And it was time to move on from that. So yeah, I haven't sold, I haven't done the the high street selling for a very very long time. But s- salesmanship is in my blood. I can I can sell if I love it. I can sell it.
0: Mm. Well, that's a good segue onto sort of a lot of the merchandising and things that you've got because um, on your website, obviously, you've got. I noticed that a lot of your stuff is really cool and different. And um, one thing that um, my brother actually said when he was trying to design T-shirts for his band and things, he said, you kind of have to make something that not only fans of yours will buy, but also even if someone isn't necessarily a fan of yours, they'll still think that looks cool and want to buy it. Yeah. And I think you've hit that on the head. I mean, I, I think when your hoodies, the, the splatter color one is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And then you've got a reflective one and a, a glow-in-the-dark sort of T-shirt as well. So yeah. a glow-in-the-dark T-shirt. And I was just looking on them um, and I was like, all of these are just really interesting different ideas and I would buy like the look of them are all just fantastic. And it's not only you've got obviously all the caps and the beanies and the t-shirts and the hoodies and things but you doing something that I'm not sure any other rappers doing. I might be wrong, but you actually have a manga route, don't you? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Ha- what made what sort of started that off? Obviously you're a fan of um, Dragon Ball Z and a lot of those things people know from your uh, your lyrics and things, but what made you take the plunge into creating a manga? It must have taken a lot of work.
1: It did. And it costs a lot of money, but it's, it's something I wanted to do. And if I really want to do it, I'm going to do it. And yeah, I just wanted, I had, I have a story. I have something, I have a story that I want to tell. And manga to me seems like the best medium in order to tell it. So yeah, I just did a lot of research into how to, how to put together a manga, Learned the processes. I uh, found an illustrator and worked with him in order to, in order to make the book and it took a very long time i think that was two two and a half to three years in the making oh wow physical book uh now i can do it quicker mm-hmm. i haven't actually started book two yet but i do plan to and yeah it's i'm really really proud of it just for the simple fact that this is, was something i'd always wanted
0: exactly and, and one of the things that um immediately only after speaking with you for such a short period of time i can see that you're a man who's really driven and you've just got that the thing about you where it's not, you've got the right work ethic where it's not necessarily telling people, you know, um, if you work hard purely, everything will pay off and you're going to be fine perfectly. It's more just, no, I, I need to do this and I've got this push and this drive and I'm going to achieve it if it's going to take, you know, this amount of time or that amount of time, I'm going to get that done. And yeah. have you always had that sort of mentality? Is that always kind of been the way you are?
1: As far back as I can remember, yes. Um, it's taken a while to hone it. And mm. to get to the point where I understand it and can use it for for my benefit. But yeah, I think since around the time I went to China, it was always, it was always like that. Mm. You know, I just always knew that I needed to do things with my life. I wanted to achieve things. I wanted to be different. I wanted to see as much as possible and do as much as possible. And the only way I was going to do that is off my own volition. There was no point in relying on anybody else or expecting somebody else to do it for me
0: no exactly and um, you bring up um, china as well and i want to ask you about that so that's a great segue too is when did you actually go to china and what sort of brought on the the travel i know you've been around the world quite a lot and i'd like to ask about that too but specifically your trip to china sort of what uh, what made you want to go to that and what did you do while you were there literally i watched too many kung fu films <laughs> that, that's the
1: honest answer i that's i do in college, I, I would go to Croydon in South London a lot with my friends and just buy Kung Fu films from uh, CEX and watch them. Uh, Drunken, Drunken, Mon- uh, Drunken Master, Iron Monkey, uh, Snake and Eagle Shadow, um, Fist of Legend. Oh, um, loads of Jackie Chan films. There were some really good ones as well. Mm. City Hunter. I love that one. Um, yeah, and so I just watched all these films and I, I was training in Kung Fu at the time and I just thought, why not go to the home of the art that I'm trying to study and learn it directly from the, from the people who invented it? So I did, really. <laughs> and that, that was about it. I, I, at the time, I, I thought I wanted to be a professional martial artist around my college times, but I realised very quickly that I don't like to hurt people and i don't particularly like to fight unless i need to fight so i found it very difficult in terms of sparring to go all out because i like it cuz 2 seconds later we're friends and and i don't i, I don't want to hurt you you know
0: mm. well, that's interesting and with some of the other travels like I, I assume you've been to japan considering you like so much of the sort of the culture there as well
1: yes yeah, so i've been yeah i've been to japan i had a performance out there so that was my first time going out there, but it certainly wouldn't be my last time going.
0: So, where have you, um, where have you toured, sort of, with your music specifically? Obviously, around England quite a lot, but where else yeah. have you been?
1: Uh, let me get this right. So, France, Hungary, um, Romania. I've got. I will be performing in Sweden later this year.
0: Mm, oh, awesome!
1: Um, Brazil, Japan, Thailand, Cambodia.
0: Um, I think that's. I think that's all. Well, that's still an incredible roster of places that you've been just uh, from your music. It's it's incredible. Kept Republic. I knew I was missing one. Oh, nice. Yeah, my friends went there recently actually and said it was beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice out there. That's wonderful. Well, with um, with your music and things, I want to ask about sort of Fire in the Booth and the BBC introducing uh, sort of side of things. How how did you, how, how, how do you get onto Fire in the Booth? Like, did they approach you? Do you have to apply for it? Like, I, I don't know at all.
1: It's a bit of a mystery to be honest. Like, it's Charlie Sloth's baby. So if, if he's not giving you the invite, it's not really going to happen. <laughs> and it, it took a very long time to make it happen for me. I think over, again, over about three, four years um, of meeting Charlie in different scenarios, different situations, talking to him on different issues. And eventually he, he extended the invite. It was actually because we were filming um, a TV show together. It was a very random one. He asked me to write a theme song for a TV show that he was involved in which I did. The producers liked it and asked if I would appear in the show as well and perform the song. So I did. And I spent a good day or two with Charlie just filming and traveling around. And um, yeah, he, he just asked if I'd want to, if I wanted to do my fire in a booth. And I said, of course. Oh, wow. What show was that? Uh, it was called, oh, what was it called? I don't remember what it was called, but the basic premise was that Charlie was helping people find Tenants for not tenants, um, flatmates for flatshare.
0: Oh, okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah. That's got it a random actually, show.
1: Never, yeah, it never actually came out, but it was um, it was a
0: pilot that mm. they were filming. I see. Yeah, listening to a lot of the podcasts with like Joe Rogan and things like that in America, you hear them always talking about sort of the amount of pilots that actually get made yeah. that never see the light of day is insane. Yeah. Uh, And um, I want to ask as well about uh, sort of collaborations and things. I mean, on the intro to your Kung Fu Hustle album, um, Tech Nine mentions your name. So did you, when you were touring, did you meet him or did he just hear about you? Like how, what's your connection with Tech Nine?
1: I opened for Tech the very first time he came to the UK, which was on his birthday. I believe this was 2012 or 2011. Uh, So yeah, the very first time he came to the UK, I opened for him with a good friend of mine called Zuby. Mm. Um, And, we opened in London, yeah, in London, the O2 Islington, but we didn't. Uh, and then he was performing in Manchester as well, so we went up there to see the show. Um, didn't really get a chance to talk to him very much at the London show because he was tired and he was hungry, and he had to he had to disappear off. So in the Manchester show afterwards, we went up to the tour bus. There was a lot of people waiting outside and queuing up to try and get to meet him. One of the one of his um, his tour members opened the opened the tour bus door and saw us and said, Oh yeah, come on in guys. And these two girls walked forward as if to, to go in. And it almost happened in slow motion for me. It, it, he, he turned and he was like, no, not you, you guys. And it, I'm pretty sure this happened. Can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure that a light shone down from heaven. And we were the children. So We walked, into the tour bus and tech was there he was incredibly nice really complimentary had a good old a good chat with him and i you know just asked would you mind recording something for my next album and he did
0: oh so. wow and is that how you got connected with uh, chris calico as well because obviously um for people who don't know they need to check this song out i mean like you is probably my favorite song of yours closely followed by ko but uh, the last track on your album um, which is don't box me isn't it yeah yeah, the last track um, of uh, Way of the Show, I think it is, um, Chris Calico features in that. And that track is absolutely fantastic. I think that and also painting that I absolutely love the song painting lyrically. Thank you. It's, no worries. You're an incredible lyricist for a multitude of different reasons. That I'm sure we'll get onto a little bit later. But um, so with Chris Calico, did you sort of collaborate with him due to your connection with tech from touring with him or, or playing yeah, a show with him?
1: Yeah, I'd met Chris at the same show. And he was a really nice guy and I I really wanted to work with him. So that was, that was a relationship I had fostered over over a good year or two, really. It took a while to get the collaboration sorted out, Mm. but I eventually got it. And I'm really, really happy with that track. I would have loved to have made a video for it, but you know, the, the, the location differences makes it very, very difficult, but Chris killed it. He absolutely killed it. And I'm really proud of that track.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, you both did an absolutely stellar job on that. Um, Exactly. And also, um, I want to ask about Zuby a little bit as well. Actually, because when I saw you play um, opening for Techno, and obviously Zuby came on stage, and he's like a a regular collaborator of yours, isn't he? Yes, he
1: is. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine.
0: Yeah. Have you guys been friends since like um, sort of the early beginnings? Have did you kind of uh, were you friends before you entered the sort of the rap game, or how do you Uh, guys? he
1: went to the University of Oxford and I went to Oxford Brooks. so we were effectively the two best known rappers in Oxford. So we knew each other from then, but it wasn't until after that we'd graduated that we kind of started hanging out and things like that because we were both doing something similar in terms of being independent rappers. So it made sense to work with somebody who was also equally serious about what they were doing.
0: Yeah, I can I can imagine so. And also I think it's funny because I mentioned you and I mentioned uh, Zuby to a, a friend of mine. And funnily enough, my friend, um, he was like, what, Zuby the rapper? And he said something about him. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty certain. He was like, I met him like years ago. I think he was doing the sort of um, handing out CDs and stuff. And I think uh, my mate just had a long conversation with him uh, about that sort of thing. Um, So it's funny just like people just knowing little sort of bits and pieces around. It's uh, it's great. And obviously I wish you both uh, the best. uh, Because you're both... I have. I've downloaded um, Zuby's album from Spotify. Um, I think Perseverance, which I think is a lot of his older tracks. Sort of are they redone or remastered? Something like that. I
1: believe so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm. I'm looking forward to that. I was listening to a lot of your stuff, and I'm quite hooked at the moment. And um, so I'm excited to hear when this uh, this new single drops. But I also wanted to ask about um, with your opinion on Spotify, because obviously we mentioned about the CDs and things. And I was yeah. thinking it the other day, because when um when we came and saw Tech Nine and yourself. I, there was a couple of guys who handed out CDs in the in the crowd. And, um, I bought one and it was fantastic, but my car stereo is rubbish. And then I bought a new laptop uh, a few months ago because my one my old one broke. And this laptop that I'm using now doesn't even have a CD player in it. And yeah, I didn't even realise nice. at all. Exactly. So it's like the, the transition, and I've got, and once again, I'm one of the people who's got loads of CDs as well. And they're now essentially worthless. Do you feel like Spotify is doing more harm for musicians or doing more to help them, in a sense?
1: That's a very good question. Um, Firstly, I wouldn't say Spotify specifically. I think Spotify have just jumped onto a a trend Mm -hmm. and become synonymous with streaming, but it's not Spotify specifically. It's more streaming.
0: Yeah, Um, music, Spotify, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, these are... um, there's loads of streaming sites out there, so I think it would be unfair to attribute everything to Spotify because there's, there's lots of streaming. I believe it started with iTunes and YouTube, personally. Um, it's very apt to notice that Apple laptops do not have um, CD drives, and I think they were one of the first to start implementing that in order to encourage you, um, or it, insert strong arm. In, in in terms of in, in place of the wedding coverage, into um, using iTunes more and downloading music. And um, well, maybe it started with something like Napster realistically, but Napster, because it was illegal, it was, people were still using CDs and you still had the ability to play CDs. But now that we have downloading and which has given way to streaming, it's kind of like, what's the point of owning CDs or having a CD player at all? So there's there's arguments for streaming. It gives you a, a, a far bigger access to music. There's lots of music that I've that I'm enjoying and that I'm listening to that I probably would never have gotten on CD because it's too expensive, and you don't want to take the risk in buying a CD only to like one or two tracks. So there is that. It encourages music musicians to increase their output, uh, but I've always believed and I still do believe it it devalues music quite significantly and often turns it into background music you know there's a there's a massive um emphasis on getting your music in playlists and getting on popular um i don't know what the spotify ones are called but you know all the all the very popular playlists and you can and and looking at streaming numbers and things like that and 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 analytics and data but realistically you can be on a popular playlist and have millions of streams and it could just mean that People have listened to your music on that playlist and not really paid attention uh, about who the artist actually is, and for me that's a problem. You know, I want if you're going to listen to my music, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to lyrics. I want you to pay attention to the metaphors and to what I'm actually saying and how I'm saying it. And I want you to care about the artist as well. And I think streaming takes away a lot of that. It it sometimes allows people to to discover new artists and discover new music, but it's it's a bit of a double edged sword, really.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of very good points there. I mean, you know, I was always thinking back when you know when CDs were sort of on the cusp of going, and a lot of people were downloading online, and obviously when YouTube started becoming a thing, I was in two minds because there are certain bands who, because I got into them from, uh, let's say, I only listened to things on YouTube and never used anything like Pirate Bay, and uh, if I if I ever did do that, and I'd find a band, if I ever Downloaded their music or uh, found them on YouTube or anything. I'd always make an effort specifically to go to their shows, buy their merch, um, yeah. things like that, to try and be like, okay, well, I I didn't buy the album because I wasn't too sure on it. As you say, you know, albums even on iTunes were eight quid um, yeah. for like buying physical CDs on Amazon or in HMV or wherever they were still ten quid usually, sometimes fifteen, and it's like I've got probably about 10% of my CDs are just crap, just because you think, oh yeah, I heard the single, this is amazing, and then it's like, oh, yeah, exactly. And I agree with you as well with the sort of, um, the putting into a playlist and people finding out the band, because I said, my friend's in in a metal band, or hardcore band really, and he was touring with another band, and they had one song that went into um, one of those playlists, it has had like some 10 or 100,000 listens, but then all of their other music is like under 2,000, like all of them, and it is that thing of like, what some of my friends do, which does bother me a little bit, is they're like, "Oh yeah, I love that song." I like, got, "Oh yeah, just listen to the album." And like, oh no, and it's like, why? I don't understand. Like, you like this bit, why do you not listen to the, all of it? Surely there's just more music that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. And a lot of the time, artists put in either sort of self-referencing tracks or even just they want to tell sort of a story. They, they, there's the yeah. whole package. An album is a package thing. It, it, it's not just, you know, 15, 20 random songs. It, it's meant to be in a certain way. And I feel like it does devalue that in a, in a lot of senses as well.
1: Agreed, yeah. Mm. And what you can often find is that um, artists with loads of streams can't even get half the, can't even fill a room for a show. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's a difficult state that the music industry is in. There are, there are, the benefit, like I said, is that in the past, an artist could coast on the one or two singles that they've put out and the rest of the album is literally just filler. But now you can't really hide behind that and labels are definitely suffering as a result of that. But, I don't really know where it's going to go or, or what's going to happen next, but I do know that I don't want my music to be consumed passively. That's all I know. So um, I'm focusing on building my fan base of uh, and, and making sure it consists of people who, who genuinely enjoy music and want to listen to what I have to say and, and want to unpick the lyrics and analyze them and, and really give it a good couple listens rather than one random listen as a, as a result of a
0: playlist hmm exactly and i think with going back to what you did in fire in the booth i think that you you showcase that very well because you had those three tracks and you mentioned sort of the four weapons in your arsenal and yeah. it's that you know you had without spoiling everything obviously you had like the song it was mainly dragon ball z and it was like the lyrics were all essentially dragon ball z references but you showed that sort of the flow and the delivery and all those sorts of things made it work so well and then you had your other tracks which had sort of uh more or less, less sort of referencing lyrics. Things aren't just about like Dragon Ball Z. Like you yeah. had more deep things. And it was, it's very good to see that. I applaud anyone who hasn't listened to your music who maybe listened to this show to just, if you're unsure, I mean, check out Like Us because that tune is amazing. But like uh, if you check out like, Fire like in the Booth, it, it, it shows like a good, it's a showcase of your talents. And it does show where you, the way you did it, I, I imagine it must have taken you quite a long time to actually with fire in the booth i'm saying about loads of half sentences so my listeners are used to this but you're probably not so sorry but um with fire in the booth do you did do they say okay you're coming in fire in the booth at this time have some tracks ready or how does it work like the the tracks they played
1: they pretty much just said you're you know the date of your fire in the booth is this date and that's it oh, um wow. i think what i did for my fire in the booth was largely dictated by what everybody else did which was three to four tracks showcasing their ability, but I wanted to tell a narrative with mine and I wanted to really show the difference in my ability and my, and my artistic personality with it. But yeah, they didn't specifically say, we want you to do it like this, or we want you to pick these tracks. It, you, it was pretty much left open. It's an opportunity and you either make use of it or you don't, I think
0: and i think they did um showcase not only you as a person which obviously is what you're saying that you want to be you want people to sort of know you and then come to your shows as well as you know actually absorbing and liking you as an artist not just liking sort of this one off random track and i think yeah. your live shows really show that as well because you talk to the crowd which is obviously there's a lot of bands i like like Ramstein, are a good example i think i've seen Lammstein twice and they've never said more than two words to the crowd but they have this <laughs> gigantic huge massive performance of things and I think you have to have some degree of one and the other when you have live shows and obviously different genres have different things and yeah. with your show I think you had the good amount of just a lot of people can sort of be okay I'm on a stage now I can talk at the crowd for 10 minutes you know and yeah. what you did is you kind of you sprinkled it so you said a little bit then you did it and you kind of went back and forwards and I think you got the right balance especially I'll for a support it. act
1: it's taken me a while to get to that point um, mm. I've, I've definitely not said enough and I've definitely said too much so I've always tried to to balance it out. But I do think audience participation and audience and crowd interaction is incredibly important with a live show because I'm trying to give you something that is different, inherently different to what you would hear just listening to me online or on a streaming service. So, you know, if, if I just stand on stage and perform my tracks exactly as they were written and exactly as recorded, then why did you come and see me live? <laughs>
0: well, exactly. And it's it's the same with, I mean, that Tech Nine gig, in all honesty, I mean, I, I do like, as I said, uh, sort of relatively speaking, every genre of music. I like a few bands here and there, but my main thing is sort of rock and metal. And, I, you know, I like a lot of rap. I like a lot of the strange music guys. You know, I, lock, um, I like Scroobius pit Brockhampton, and a few, a few other things as well. But I'd never actually been to a rap gig because obviously a lot of the, a lot of the big rappers, um, at least the ones that I like, are in America. And yeah. obviously a lot of it is that, one thing that you you didn't come across as saying uh when you're in the fire in the booth thing is like you're not all about you know saying the M word constantly and then talking about being a gangster and then it's all about the money and you know fuck the bitches and that sort of stuff you don't dabble in in that sort of that realm i see and it was that i assume that was a that's just you being a genuine person of who you are i would assume
1: yeah it's it's, i mean it's a conscious choice but it's also a being very aware of my responsibility as an artist and knowing that there is plenty of people who will cover certain subjects and will do all of the negativity and I don't want to be one of them. I, I want to I want to solidify myself as uh, in my own niche, essentially.
0: Mm, exactly. And I think with the, your song you know um drop Kick man i mean it's, yeah. it's a great tune to listen to sort of uh when you're having a laugh with the guys and things like that but it, it really that is a track especially that really comes to life uh live because you I put in so much energy way, yeah. i can imagine because the, the crowd yelling back Dropkick man must be incredible must be intoxicating
1: yeah and the the weird thing about it is that that track was is probably one of the quickest tracks that i've ever written and in, in terms of the Effort to success ratio, it's hugely skewed. Mm-hmm. Because I won an award, I won the hardest working artist award at the AIM Independent Music Awards, um, and ran up on stage and did a fly kick, and that was that. That was effectively my speech. I said some words <laughs> after That was a that was the main part of my speech. And I think about two days afterwards, um, a friend of mine said, "You should you should release a song." to, to coincide with your, your award win. So I wrote the song, uh, recorded it and got it. It was one of the first songs actually recorded in my home studio setup, got, um, got it mixed and mastered and filmed the video within the space of about three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that one, uh, reached the number 40 in the top 50 viral charts on Spotify in the UK.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah.
1: So it's really, it's really weird just thinking about how quickly I wrote that in comparison to how much time it takes me to write other tracks normally.
0: It, uh, it isn't a weird one. I've heard some other people say it. Like um, I can't remember who it was, um, but there was an artist who said, sort of, you know, they they sort of poured their sort of blood, sweat, and tears into loads of these tracks, and they just weren't going anywhere. And then, in all honesty, it might have been someone like Ed Sheeran. I'm not the biggest Ed Sheeran fan, but mm-hmm. I think it was Shape of You. He actually wrote it. Almost as a parody, who's like, How easy it is to write songs that sound like this? And yeah. it was like his, his biggest track. And it's probably the track of his that I hate the most. Well, I hate the most. I don't hate Ed Sheeran. I, I don't mind Ed Sheeran. But that one song, I was like, I'm not a fan of that. And then I heard him talking in an interview saying, Yeah, it's not even a song he even really liked that much that the label kind of pushed him to release it as a single. And he wrote it in like a few minutes. And it's like his biggest song. And it's like, it's kind of weird, is not it? Like, obviously, shape of you compared to Dropkick Man, I'd Dropkick Man every time. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, it's one of those strange things where you kind of viral especially is such a weird thing because that like, you get these companies now that really try to be viral you like you see some adverts on tv and you're like you know they're just trying really hard to just get viral but it's like no one knows what's going to go viral you know you get videos yeah. of god knows what going viral and then you get sort of you know uh, the doge memes and all kinds of crazy things so it, it must have got interesting just it was almost like you woke up one day and then just suddenly dropkick man was just kind of almost everywhere a little bit um I
1: think it was it, it was a build it was a build up it was a building process really I, I think I've really seen the most benefit from it when I perform it mm. you know how the cloud into how the cloud interact with it and how it um, how how people just enjoy consuming it but in terms of it getting on the viral charts I still have no clue <laughs> somebody just texted me and said hey your your song's on the chart I was like okay cool all right <laughs> you Now what's the next one. <laughs> um, those those kind of things are, are, are fine and everything but I'm I'm not that bothered about it it's a nice accolade and it's nice in terms of getting people to take you a bit more seriously in the industry but if it's not a good song and if I don't like the song then I'm I'm even less bothered it just so happens I really like Dropkick Man so that's fine you know I'm, I'm glad that more people have heard it
0: yeah well, exactly and you want to get your music out there um, in sort of in the right ways as well you know you want to show how hardworking you are and do it in the right manner rather than just kind of you know I'm not saying everyone on X Factor there's a problem with X Factor I'm not necessarily saying that but you know I always found it especially being a fan of metal and things like that where you know especially when I was a teenager you know it was I only like metal and rap and nothing yeah. else you know and then as I've gotten older I'm a bit more you know I like relatively everything but I was in that mindset of just like I don't know pop music's rubbish because they don't write their own songs and this is rubbish because of that and then X Factor's just cheating you know there's these bands that I like like you know um, Metallica I think they got signed almost after their first show but you know those sort of bands who just kind mm-hmm. of working at it and individuals like yourself who are really putting all that work in and then people just kind of they want the quick route and i think that's yeah. the problem and i think especially well, with our generation always, as well
1: i always say that um quick success can can be taken quickly essentially so you know if it if it if it appears overnight it can disappear overnight so i'd much rather build my success slowly and have it for
0: a very long time i think you say that in one of your songs on kung Fu Hustler. Sounds like something I would say, yeah. it <laughs> wasn't pre-planned then. But it's one of those things, isn't it? Because it's, as I said, I haven't got the issue with people sort of trying with their dreams and people going, expect Factor I want to do all these things. But I feel like it does kind of take away from hardworking artists. And, and I think that our generation sort of, or at least the the state of society at the moment. It's not necessarily just sort of um, our generation in that sense now. It's more just because of social media and sort of instant gratification and, you know, you've got Instagram and this, that and the other and people kind of, and we've got Netflix and Spotify, etc. And it's like, I want something, got it. I want something, got it. Order it on Amazon. You know, I I do it all the time. You know, I'm thinking, I really needed, you know, super glue. And then you're just on the toilet and you're like, in five seconds you've got it essentially you get it all the next day it is a complete instant
1: gratification culture and that is generally how music is perceived and consumed if the music video is not up at the same time as the track forget about it if you can't listen to the track the minute you start talking about the track and really pushing it and promoting it if the track is not available to listen to alongside the music video people forget about it you know there was a time when uh, uh, an album was was talked about for months before it came out, and there was an actual anticipation and a waiting period. And now it's oh, I've got a new album; it's out now. You can listen to it. You know, there's no there's no anticipation anymore. And I don't even know if it's possible to foster that level an- of anticipation because people's attention spans are just not the same.
0: No, I completely agree with you. It's it's quite a shame. It's it's one of those weird things where. <sighs> The state of play at the moment where everything is kind of, we're in this transitionary period. I mean, obviously, the internet's been about since the 90s, but obviously, it's only really been the last probably five, maybe 10 years, but more sort of five where everyone's got a smartphone now, everyone, relatively yeah. speaking. I think
1: broadband played a big part in that. When yeah, you have dial-up you had to, connection. Yeah, when you had to dial-up the connection, and it took two days to download <laughs> like an MP3. That's, that's when you knew about
0: waiting oh yeah i remember the days where uh, like it sounds i've said so weird so i'm not even old but like kids these days won't understand of like being on like the computer and i used to play, like, runescape with my mates or something and then you get a phone call and then yeah. the internet cuts off yeah it's all gone exactly and you're like oh mum wants to use the phone for now to talk to auntie whatever and it's like i can't use the internet and then you talk to kids now about that and they're like what you couldn't use the internet because you were on the phone it's like yeah it's like we have the internet in our phones. It's like you just don't understand our lot. Yeah. You just yeah. <laughs> you didn't go and through it you know, like we did. Internet on,
1: on phones, try using early internet on phones before iPhone came about, or even the very first iPhone. That was that was just frustrating. Like <laughs> uh what was it? Um GPRS? Or mm. whatever. The the very first one. I think it's called Edge now, but the the very first internet on phones was was horrendous.
0: Hmm. I had a Nokia and I remember you have to move the mouse cursor with these tiny little buttons. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. So you have buttons, don't they? Yeah. But you are moving this mouse cursor and it's like dragging really slow across the screen. It costs you about 50 quid to go on like one website. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I-, I want to ask also about the, the Hardworking um, Musician Awards or Hardest Working Artist Award. Um, how did that sort of, what was that for? Was that for like an album specifically or, or obviously it's you're being a hardworking artist, but yeah. was there something that sort of landed you on the radar of the awards or, or how did that come about? No.
1: I don't know. I think it, I think it was kind of like a lifetime award sort of thing, uh, a recognition of what I've done up to this point and how I've done it. Uh, So I don't think there was a specific song or album that got me it, but um, rather just the amount of, the sheer amount of work I put in. And it's pretty undeniable at this point. I was doing, when I was running my pop-up shop in shopping centres, I was doing something like 12 hour days. And I think I did a 31 day stint over the Christmas period. So, and that was, that was starting at 9am and finishing at 10pm a lot of the time. So if you want to talk about hard work, I've got it for you. So, um, really I did feel when I heard that there was an award for the hardest working artist, I did feel it was mine by birthright and I should (laughs) win this. But then I was up against quite a few big artists i think i was up against like run the jewels and little sims and things like that and i really didn't think i was going to win it so i'm um, i'm grateful that i did
0: mm. and that's going of run the jewels of another artist that i think are absolutely fantastic and uh, they got another um album coming out this year actually and uh apparently it's gonna be more grime-ish apparently that's what i've heard mm-hmm. um well, i have interested because we spoke about it we touched on it early on but um rap wise sort of i assume um but obviously correct me if i'm wrong i assume you take a degree of inspiration from sort of tech nine strange music but are there any are there any other sort of other rappers um that you either find great influence for or just inspire you greatly or anything like that do you know funnily enough i
1: hadn't when i first started rapping i hadn't even heard of tech nine hmm.
0: so my style
1: was not re- my initial style wasn't really influenced by him i think my desire for success and the the way that i conduct my business has been quite significantly influenced by him but actually. I started off listening to Ludacris. Mm, um, nice. The word of mouth album was the reason I wanted to start rapping in the first place, and that kind of intricate and fast style of rap is probably my favourite thing to do. But then I've 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 developed it, and I I'd like to think I have different styles dependent on what sort of music I'm working on.
0: Yeah, I mean you you have incredibly interesting flow because I find a lot of the time with certain rappers like. Um, what is it? Obviously, I listen to quite a bit of Tech Nine, and he has so many collaborations with so many different artists. I know that yourself um, on your albums you have uh, quite a bit of collaboration as well. With there's so many rappers where you hear, and I'm not saying all slow rappers are bad in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying that at all because I think Murs is a slow rapper and he's great. But I find that I'm more impressed with rappers who can rap faster than slower rappers. Yeah. But you do have that certain rappers who. I think recognises one of them that when he's featured in other tracks, it sounds quite cool, but just listening to like a whole album of them speaking so fast, you you yeah. just, you can't hear anything. But I think you have that nice mix of, you know, just listen to where the shower from start to finish, you know, you hear this, there's, there's certain tracks a bit more chill, there's certain tracks a bit faster, but you incorporate it a lot where certain bits are faster within the song. It's not just, you know, you're, you're not Titan casting yourself with that, you know, with your own flow. Yeah.
1: I, I like to, I like to challenge myself. I always like to, have every single song has a different flow and i'm constantly changing up jay-z does it i believe he changes flow every four bars or every eight bars something like that and i do very similar i i just move with the track i like tracks with progression that have different instrument instrumental ideas going on in different things coming in at different points because then it allows me to change with the track as well
0: yeah, and one of the things that I'm I noticed with yourself, and I find it's the same with um with Tech Nine and especially the newer Run the Jewels stuff is I didn't think that I cared that much about sort of beats and things. I used to think yeah. when I was really into rapping because I think you know the first person I got into was Eminem because you yeah. know I was the right sort of age and uh, Eminem was obviously M's is fantastic. M is probably one of easily one of the best rappers in the world mm-hmm. still. Yes, when he, I
1: agree. When he, yeah, when he really when he really gets into it. Mm. Uh, if you if you properly analyse some of his lyrics, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like the the wordplay, the 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 syllable counting, the flow, everything in it is is so precise. It's mathematical. You know.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, have you heard the new his newest album Kamikaze? He's got a track on that called The Ringer, and I think it's the first track, and it is absolutely phenomenal. It hasn't got a chorus. No, I I've really I've got a sweet spot for rap songs that haven't got choruses. I know um, Hobson yeah. does. Um, I know generally they're called Ciphers, I think. It's, it's, yeah. and he's got the song The Ringer um, the first in Kamikaze it was I'm not the biggest fan of the rest of the album I think it's a good album but it didn't grab me like his uh, previous albums have but that one song it's about five or six minutes long I think and he d- does like, lots of different styles within that he does fast, slow that sort of thing yeah. and that track really blew me away and I think his newest stuff, I, I feel like the problem is some of it is that the choruses lose me. Like I find it from his older stuff, like the Eminem show and things like that, like "Cleaning Up My Closet," "The Way I Am," and "The Way I Am" was from uh, either the Slim Shady or the Marshall Mathers LP. I think it's Marshall Mathers. Yeah. And you hear some of his older choruses, and I think they're powerful and hard hitting and all that. And then I hear some of his newer choruses, and they just kind of lose me. But his verses now in his newest albums, Marshall Mathers LP two as well. His he's done some of the best rapping I think he's ever done in especially in the verses of his newest stuff.
1: I think Eminem overthinks things too much (laughs) Um, and he tries to make it far more commercial than it needs to be. People would support Eminem regardless of what he does. He could fart on a track and people would probably support (laughs) him and I'm pretty sure he's done similar. I, I'm, yeah, I feel like he's burped on a track. Um, But yeah, I don't know if it's him or if it's a label influence or whatever, but including having songs that feature like Rihanna or, or Ed Sheeran, or Taylor Swift, or whoever you know. No, no disrespect to any of those artists, but they on they're the song. He's he's a rapper, and he's a he's a rapper's rapper. He's you know just make rap music, just rap well, and people will enjoy it. I don't need you to make a commercial song. I don't need you to make a radio hit. It will be supported. Don't worry about. It. You've got enough money to do what you want to do now. Just go. You know, I I feel like. When he cared less was when he made the amazing music, and the problem is again, I don't think an Eminem could be could be, could rise to success in today's age because too many people are are way too sensitive. You could never get away with calling out people by name in songs and effectively bullying them over a song. You would be absolutely lambasted in in the media. People would people would call you all sorts of names, probably a Nazi at some point, and nobody would be able to take a joke or, or be able to take it for for lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek or whatever, you know? So he came up in a very different time and what he used to do, he can't do anymore. And I kind of feel like he's, I feel in in a way he's almost lost with with what he wants to do. I think he, he just really likes mapping, but he needs to make songs. And I don't think he's quite found that that balance. Um, whereas I, I I don't really want him to find a balance. I just want him to rap. <laughs> I just want him to, to go to to just go mad and just an album of that would be very nice. That please and thank you, like Royce to Five Nine, those sort of albums. Just you know the Bad Meets Evil album with him and Royce, I think is far better than than most of his solo albums. Most of his newer solo albums, anyway.
0: Yeah, I've listened to a few of those tracks. I remember there was a, a single on, I think when The Bad Meets Evil, um, um, I think when it came out, and he had a single. It was really good, but I remember the video being one of, it's just terrible. It was him, um, it was in like a warehouse, and there were like these clip art things coming up, and it was it was really weird. Living um, life in the first lane. Yes, that's it.
1: Yeah, slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know the video you're talking about. <laughs> I think of what once. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know um, about video choices. Sometimes I, I, as somebody who does videos and who has a lot of music videos, certainly not as many as, as a, as a big artist with millions of dollars behind them, but music videos are expensive and they're often a loss leader. Mm. You know, you do a music video cause you want to not cause you're trying to make money off it. So, um, yeah. Some people are good at them. Some people are not. Joyner Lucas is incredibly good at music videos. Uh, he's very good at conceptualizing really interesting and unique music videos. I don't know what's going on in his brain. And um, Little Dicky as well. Fantastic yes, videos,
0: yes, Little Dicky's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, 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 he's brilliant. Some people,
1: some people like them. Some people see them as an opportunity to to extend their artistry into the visual realm some people see them as just something that needs to be done in order to promote the track and i think if you're in the latter camp you're 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 not really that bothered about music videos and you'll just settle for whatever the director says is okay and if you're in the former camp then you you want to go to town with it and do things quite unique and different and that you haven't done before and then just sometimes the track is so abstract or whatever you've really got no clue so you just you just stand in a warehouse and and say okay when somebody says let's do some clip art
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah potentially i mean also someone like eminem he's got so many videos out there as well and obviously uh, he's on so many albums it's almost like what's we not got what's left that's obviously very lazy way of looking at it but it is that sort of thing he's done so many not all of them are going to be fantastic but speaking of music videos i want to bring up your um your video. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Uh, Part two will be released at the same time next week. Um, I release all the episodes on... Uh, Sunday nights UK time so if you're an American listener it all should come out on no middayish afternoon ish on a Sunday ready for the working week so you can look forward to that if you're a new listener um, if you are a regular listener and you haven't yet subscribed please do that uh, because you know it's really nice when people subscribe to the stuff and it just means that a lot of the chats that I have you, you may have missed a couple you know or follow on social media you know on Instagram I've got a lot of snippets that are out of most episodes I seem to probably you know a 30 second snippet or so maybe a minute long uh, of just what you can expect from an episode so if you're a little bit unsure you can still subscribe to the podcast go on instagram check that out or on facebook i put all the snippets as well Um, i usually put them on twitter as well but twitter i generally do a bit more sharing of other people's stuff so as a quick rundown facebook i put Snippets and stuff on, as well as movie reviews and the occasional other thing. Although I think I've linked it to my Instagram now, so I might just post relatively the same as Instagram. Um, Instagram, you know, I post on my story on there um, occasionally and things like that. Um, I do movie reviews. I do music reviews occasionally. I've done a book review, uh, which is the only one I've done because I've only read like one book in like two years because I'm terrible. It's a Star Wars book though, huzzah oh, so it's first of a trilogy, so I'm sure there'll be more to come after that. Um, I do a ki- occasional TV series reviews. I do the occasional photos of where I am if it's anywhere interesting obviously went to mexico a little while ago i I think i still haven't posted about that actually very much um but yeah instagram probably the best place to get me but yeah instagram twitter or facebook follow on any of those places The the snippets are on there um you know coming up in the following weeks um i haven't actually got anything specifically recorded apart from what i've got with Shadow at the moment i am doing a chat with someone next week who is a gentleman who's in education quite a lot um he actually listens to the podcast, so he may actually hear uh, th- me saying, talking about him. But I, I don't like saying the person's name or anything just in case for whatever reason it gets delayed or something doesn't happen or whatever. But um, yeah, I'll hopefully have a chat with him next week, which I will this week rather coming up. So that will be out. Um, I've got, I think I've got a, a podcast uh, scheduled with a person every week for the next month so if they're one or two hours long that can get me sorted for a little while i've got a couple in october as well i think um and i've still got the feelers out for other people who want to get into contact someone else just got to contact me on instagram and asked a bit about collaboration and things so always doing stuff me huzzah um yeah uh, as I said before um, in in a minute I'll just quickly talk about Ignite the Flame Audio um, which is by my mate Wayne Telford but I'll I'll go into that in a second anyway that'll be kind of the last thing I say really Um, but before that I will just say anyone who's listened this far I do really appreciate it but if anyone could like if everyone listening here told two people about genuine chit chat or just shared it on social media with like a caption mentioning what you like about it or if you found an episode that you think someone else will like if you do share it that will really mean a lot to me Um, I don't pay for promotion as in uh, advertising I don't pay any guests to come on it. I don't, certainly don't pay to go on anyone else's show. Um, I just have the running cost of how much time this takes me, and the cost of having like you know the the podcast hosting site and you know all my equipment and things like that. So there's not a huge amount of cost to me necessarily, but it's a lot of time, and this is a passion project, and I just want as many people to hear. Mainly the guests. So I don't really care necessarily about me getting famous per se, it'd be nice, you know, to have a podcast that makes money so I could actually live off this and then put all my time into it, but I don't expect that, I don't have a Patreon page uh, at the moment, I don't really want to get one until I've got enough listeners where I think it's worth it, because I will start doing bonus content on there and stuff, I believe I'll be more solo podcasts like the one I released a couple weeks ago Um, but until that time, you know, I want to kind of build the fan base a little bit more, see how many people I can get listening before kind of committing to something like Patreon. So, at the moment, it is just, I don't want you guys to donate to me. I would just, if you really like the show, just tell people about it, you know. I've had so many different guests and things. I think iTunes has said, it's basically like the, the in the 90s now of episodes, like parts I've released, because a lot of them are two-parters. But obviously, this one's episode 69. So... I've, I've had quite a wide variety of guests with a huge variety of topics and things and if you know anyone who is even vaguely interested in podcasting or anyone at all uh, who b- would be willing to listen, see if there's an episode in the backlog that would uh, intrigue them and send it their way, you know. I don't expect everyone listening to like every episode I release um, but I think that the back catalogue is varied enough that almost everyone could find something they'd enjoy and and that's all i want to do i want to shine a spotlight on people that i find interesting and i think inspirational you know Shadow is a prime example of someone who fits those uh qualities and things you know he's incredibly inspirational his music is fantastic um he's just a great guy so I, if I, I wish my podcast was bigger so i could kind of you know shine a spotlight on these people and more people could check these guys out so you know be sure to check out Shadow and all his stuff please share um my stuff on social media and things like that and tell people about it and yeah i really appreciate that now, at the start of the podcast, I played a quick promo for Ignite the Flame Audio, which is by a guy called Wayne Telford. Now, any regular listeners to the show will know that I've actually had Wayne on the podcast on three different episodes. Um, he's a paleontologist, but he's also an author, and he's got—I think—he's got like. Four books published at the moment. He's got several more in the pipeline. Um, I helped him put together uh, "Ignite the Flame." Um, we kind of we kind of brainstormed ideas together a little bit. Um, I kind of helped him sort of understand how you put podcasts together, the social media side. So I kind of helped inspire him in some way. I I would say um, I don't want to take credit for anything he's done. Everything he's done on his uh, channel, from getting everything released, putting anything out there, he's done off his own back. I would say I take like one percent, if not less, credit for what he's done. Um, it's incredible. He basically, uh, he's written loads of books and he wanted to get them out there without people having to pay for a book, you know, cost eight, ten quid or so. And he wanted to make it accessible for other people. So, what he's done, he's basically doing an audiobook book. Um, he does slightly different voices for certain characters, which I think really actually works. Um, and he also, at the end of each chapter, he, he explains it in the podcast, but he also does a tips of the trade. So, he talks about sort of how one can kind of get into writing and what you want to do if you want to be an author. Um, and he also does a bit of backstory of the chapters themselves. So, if you've already read some of his work, his first book a light in the mist is out it's kind of like a prequel to uh, jekyll and hyde um and it's really really cool i haven't listened to all of it as of yet uh, because i'm a terrible person honestly um but i've listened to the first two episodes i only started listening recently because it only came out a couple weeks ago um but it's a really good podcast it's great for anyone who likes audio dramas and that sort of thing it's great for any bookworms who you know just want to keep consuming written media but don't have the time so audio um and also he's releasing it for free and he's putting all this time and effort in and it's great for any upcoming authors so i'll include a link in the description but um yeah he's a good friend of mine and I would really appreciate anyone if you know go and checking out his um, stuff especially if you like audio dramas and things like that giving him some love liking it on social media and sharing because you know it would really help him out and I think that's just about it guys I've rambled at the end of this podcast for long enough as I often do um so yeah I'll be back next week for part two with Shadow. thank you so much for listening especially this far I love each and every one of you and I'll talk to all of you next week